This podcast of the Tailgate Society is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. So they opened Revelton Distillery, where they offer a family of products including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery store. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. A teacher has two jobs. Fill young minds with knowledge, yes. But more important, give those minds a compass. Good evening and welcome to yet another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company, a place where Chris and I will be meeting up very, very soon and we hope you all will join us there. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? We're doing as best as we can. Dragging along. <laughs> the, well, that seems very optimistic and hopeful. Uh, uh, I, I'm glad that, that you have a cheery disposition on life right now. It's been a roller coaster the last few days. I, I, uh, I've had some, some health problems the last few nights, not sleeping very well, and and this COVID, even though it's been three and a half months, I'm still suffering a little bit from that. You can hear it in my voice, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but things are well, things are going well, you know, can I say? Caitlin's here. She's driving me crazy. <laughs> so, yesterday, uh, I gave her a whole lesson on how to, uh, how to balance a checkbook. She had no idea about balancing a checkbook, and I had to explain to her why we used to do it and so on. All because we went to the ATM and I said, there's nothing worse than when you go to the ATM and you punch in the amount you want and the printer starts to print first before it kicks the money out. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that means insufficient funds. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to take $20 out. My checking account, my checkbook says I had 200 but somehow I can't even take out 20 did did Caitlin so, even know what a check was? Maybe we should just back it up did. that far. We read okay. a check once a once a month, but she was like, "I don't even get the whole balance of checkbook thing. Why would you do that?" So I'd have to explain about debits and credits, and the you'd have to wait for the bank statement and then mark it all off. And nothing more than a sickening feeling when you got to adjust that and you go, "Man, I'm off a hundred and some dollars." Well, because it because it used to take you know a week for things to clear. Now, like. If a check doesn't clear and I'm looking online at my online banking and it hasn't cleared within 24 hours, I start to get frustrated and then I have to remind myself, no, you used to have to wait for like a child to be born and like goats to be sacrificed before they would they would let a check actually clear. 
And and now it's like, oh man, I just deposited that. Why can't I use those funds right away? Yeah. Um, what's yeah. this partial credit on the deposit I just did? Yeah. 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 What, what's the what do you mean available balance? How about you just <laughs> let me spend my money? I don't know what this means. Right. Um, well, good. I'm glad she got that life lesson and something that she'll probably ne- never need to use. Uh, I hope right after you ta- you taught her cursive. And, yes. uh, and and maybe some Latin. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I really do hope that kids uh, learn cursive. I don't know if they're going to teach my kid that, not, though. She's in first grade now that they teach him in first grade, but it does not seem like I've seen a lick of cursive around the school. So I'm sure that's that's a dying art. You're getting um, a head nod of no from uh, from our guest. <laughs> Excellent. Well, good. That's probably a really good segue. I didn't even I didn't even mean to 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 uh, do that, but that worked out well um, because we are going to talk a little bit about uh, teaching in the modern era, <laughs> um, and modern era at this point really kind of means uh, the last two years, frankly. Um, yeah. But uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for this evening? Sure. Well, uh, as we were talking about it uh, before we recorded, uh, my wife's a teacher. My daughter is a student teacher. Uh, I feel like I've, in the last few months, have went on a <clears throat> a defense for teachers in this state. Uh, and we have quite a few uh, followers on, on Twitter that are uh, of the teaching profession. And I reached out to to one who uh, has kind of a unique story. She's not only a teacher, uh, she's also a parent of a student athlete from the University of Iowa Hawkeye football team. So even though we're a couple cyclones, uh, we thought we'd bring in uh, Shelly Kluver. Thanks for coming on and talking to us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always nice to have a mom on here to keep us in line and and, and get us straightened out. Everyone's mom. <laughs> yeah, always a mom. Right. I'm always a mom. <laughs> no, absolutely. We we have been lucky enough to have uh, one or two moms on that has certainly uh, helped to remind us that that uh, you know we call this old man strength. This, this is just kind of old dad strength at some point. So it's good to have that balanced perspective for sure. Yes. Yes. For sure. Well, yeah. So so um, I. Teaching, you know, I mentioned I, I have a, a first grader um, and it's been kind of an interesting uh, year and a half anyway for her. Um, it's been a, a different uh, life, so I kind of want to get into all of that. But why don't you go ahead and just kind of start off and, and tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, um, I am I've taught for 15 years. This is my 15th year teaching fourth grade. Um, I grew up in Marshalltown and then moved to Ankeny. Um, my husband uh, was is from Ankeny. We both moved to Texas right out of college, and he he was a teacher in Texas. Um, I graduated from Iowa State, ironically, with my first degree. Um, I was always an Iowa State fan, and I graduated with a degree in recreation management. When we moved to Texas, then Texas has their rules are a little different down there. Um, you can work in the schools you can be a substitute with 60 hours of any college credit. Oh, so wow. I became a substitute down there with just my recreation degree. We moved back up here. I got my elementary ed degree and I've been there ever since. I subbed for seven years and, and now this is my 15th year in, in fourth grade. And my husband teaches middle school at the moment. Uh, this is his 31st year, I believe. Oh, wow. 
So we yeah. were out in Texas. We're out in Texas. Um, we were in we were in Houston. So we were at North Shore. Um, yeah, which was a powerhouse for football. Yeah, that's a that's a different learning experience down there. It was right out of college. We had a great time, um, and we're just huge sports people. So uh, it was wonderful. Um, and then my it, wife's I, student taught there in in Houston. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Where I'll, have to, I'll have to ask her where we're at. Yeah. Uh, we had a good time down there, met some of our, some of our best friends and, and, um, uh, but yeah, when, when you're, one of your class periods is whatever sport you play, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I got pregnant with Tyler and we came back up here and, and we've been in Marshalltown. We, we teach there. We both, we live in Ankeny now. So, um, yeah, we've been in the school system for a long time. Wow. Okay. And you said your husband is middle school. So is there a, yeah. a particular subject that he, that he yeah, teaches? He teaches PE. Oh, nice. So he was at the high school in Marshalltown for several years and then he was moved to the middle school. And so I think this is his 27th year in Marshalltown and or somewhere around in there. So he teaches PE and, and, uh, see some of the same things that I see every day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, so I, you know, I, not to not to steal uh, your thunder, but I, I I did have a question just because your your husband does teach PE and it and it made me immediately think about trying to do distance learning PE with my daughter. Um, her physical education teacher had to get pretty darn creative on how to be able yeah. to to do that. Yep. Um, yeah. When yeah when we were virtual. Uh, of course I was up here and he was downstairs and then I would have a break and, and I would, and, and they, they did get creative and, and he would have them um, all get up on, on the zoom and he would time them with a timer um, and he'd watch them as they were doing their activities and then he'd stop and they'd take their heart rate and whatever, you know, obviously you can't play volleyball on yeah. virtual, but yeah. you that you have to be very creative with. Yes. For yeah. Virtual. I mean, my daughter did a lot of kicking a, uh, you know, a ball of socks around the, yeah. the, the basement, uh, around a water bottle over to another water bottle, those yeah. types of very creative things for sure. Well, and Tim, your daughter probably doesn't know any different than what she's been a part of. Thankfully. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. This, this pandemic is all she's known. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Which has made it like really easy, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. Compared to some of my my friends with older old like I don't want to say really easy right I mean I there was certainly a, right oh added, sure right but compared to to you know my friends with older kids um you know since I since I started a family later in life most of my my friends have you know teenage kids and, and right. they had a very different perspective on all of mm-hmm. this yeah yep so I mean I think it's you know for her I think in a way it's kind of good because this is all she knows. And so she's going through the hard part now, hopefully we'll get into the easier part as she gets older. Whereas the, the kids that I have who are in fourth grade, this is their third year of dealing with this and Mm -hmm. it's taken a toll on everyone. Sure. Sure. So we talked about that uh, with Caitlin uh, and her student teaching that starting teaching in this environment is actually as crazy as it sounds, probably a little beneficial rather than somebody that has to pivot and learn technology and so on and so forth, who probably hasn't had to do that for the long, for, for, during their teaching career. She's yes. pretty tech savvy. 
and can do that. And she's noticed that quite a bit that, that some of the teachers, uh, even in the last few weeks, have pulled her aside and said, hey, can you show me this? Can you build this? Can you do that? So I think it's been beneficial as much as she probably doesn't see it at the moment right? Uh, right. because she's frustrated um, <laughs> that, you know, that it, it'll benefit her in the long run. She'll learn a lot. I had a student teacher in the fall from you and I, and he just, I mean, he, in the middle of a pandemic, he's learning a whole bunch and uh, he, he was thankful that he, that he learned what he did. So um, I think that's, I think it's great. She's going to come out better on the other end because of it. She may not feel that way now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, she's probably uh, incredibly, especially because she started out college, not knowing she was going to to jump into teaching in the middle of this right. nonsense. Right. Yep. But, Along with everything else. Ruby yeah. Reed Intermediate. That's where my wife taught in Houston. What was it again? Ruby Reed Intermediate. Doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. So but Houston's big. So right. yeah, it's yeah, it's not Des Moines. Yeah, no. isn't it isn't it like the third largest city in the country? So huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge. That's like when somebody asked if you went to Iowa State and they'd say, Oh, do you know so and so? Yeah, there's <laughs> only twenty five thousand people there. So, yeah, no, I, I literally had that this weekend. Someone's like, oh, let me show you pictures of my friends that went to Iowa State at like the same time as you. And I'm like, yeah, and 30,000 right. other people. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, But so fourth grade, you said, you know, you've got students that are on their third year of this, but they also don't. It's not like they've spent years and years in the system before. Right. So. Right. Right there has to be a certain amount of kind of pliability, I guess, with them. Right. Or oh, sure. Are they just exhausted in general? Um, both. Um, <laughs> you know, I think is when Chris and I talked about this and, and me coming on, I, I, you know, thought about what is the hardest thing for me right now, or what's the hardest thing for the kids. And amazingly, you can have a kid in kindergarten, first, second grade and preschool. A lot of them went to preschool. And so you've got three or four years where they've been in a school system. Um, and then in a year or a year and a half, they lose not the, the academics. I absolutely don't worry about the academics, mm -hmm. but they've lost how to self-regulate themselves. Oh, sure. They've mm -hmm. lost their social awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've lost their ability to be independent thinkers in just that little bit of time. Now, not everybody and not all of, you know, and not every single one of them lacks all of that. But those are the three things that I see on a daily basis. Um, they were at home. You know, I have students that were at home all of third grade. Mm -hmm. So for a year, you're at home doing virtual and then boom, you're put back into a classroom. Uh, the rules are different at home. Yeah, a lot there's one or two of you, three of you, maybe there's a parent, there's somebody there. Now you're back in a group of 24, 25, and you, you can't talk all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, right. you have to, you have to problem solve if um, it's just, there, there's a lot. And so I don't even bring up the academics. Mm -hmm. I, all this other stuff is what I spend my day doing, helping to self-regulate, making them aware of their soul, being aware of other people, being aware of adults, being aware of what comes out of your mouth and then just being independent thinkers. Yeah. I mean, I, now that you say that, I guess I really think about like third and fourth grade is really where you kind of learn um, 
like the value in independent work, but also in group work mm -hmm. and the dynamics between the two of them, like where you really start to develop because now it's not about every kid necessarily doing the exact same activity right. or it's, it's about going, like, I think about, you know, my seeing my, my nieces and nephews go through this, or if I can remember uh, back when I was in third grade and going <laughs> through all of that. Um, but it really is. That's really kind of when you're developing those skills where you have to be around other kids mm -hmm. in order to really develop that and be mm -hmm. around adults that aren't your parents or your grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And, yeah. and you and they don't all like each other all the oh, time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and so when you're home for a year or when you're in and out and I'm home and then I'm back in school and then I'm home and I'm last year, we had such uh, intense protocol that we basically sat in our desk from 820 to 320. Uh, we, we still eat in our classrooms. We eat breakfast in our classrooms. Last year, we did specials in our classrooms. Uh, so now they've got, you're right. They learn that um, the kids kind of start to be like, okay, this is where I am in reading. This is where I am in math. I got to work with this group. I have to work with this group. And that the struggle is, is really tough for them. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll just tell you flat out. And that's where that social awareness comes in. Um, as you, you got to remember, you got other uh, peers in this classroom and you don't just say whatever you think like you do when you're at home. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I was thinking um, structure is probably a big thing too. Being a year at home and just having the free will to get up and walk away from their computer or turning their camera off. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I would go upstairs to get some water or something while I was working and my wife's teaching from the kitchen and I can hear her say, you know, Jimmy, you need to turn, you need to turn your camera on or so-and-so is in a team's room and they shouldn't be in this room. You're not in this class today. I mean, there's no control to keep them in there or keep them on task or what have you. So the structure that they, that they needed to have was probably uh, just as important. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think what I'd like to, to ask is, is let's go back and talk about independent thinking, because sure. I, I think when people hear that, some people might think that means something else, but you're talking specifically, uh, not asking, not, not looking over or not getting together with, with their neighbor or whatever, and, 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 and getting help from them, because I'm sure that probably happened a lot at home, right? Yeah. And I don't, and I don't necessarily mean it academically either. I'm not okay. even talking, I'm just talking problem solving. Mm -hmm. So my pencil's broken. And even though Mrs. Kluber has said over and over and over, here's what you do if your pencil breaks, they still will sit there and they'll raise their hand or they'll just yell out, Mrs. Kluber, my pencil's broken. That simple problem solving, independent thinking escapes many still. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't even think about academics because people worried so much about we're going to be behind. They're going to be behind. We're, we'll be we'll be good. We'll be good. We're working we're working really hard with them academically. But I always tell my kids at the beginning of the year when you walk out of my classroom, you're going to learn academically. But I need you to be a better person. Mm -hmm. All this stuff that I just said is what makes you a better person, and that problem solving. <laughs> It, which is what I think needs to be expanded on as far as a conversation goes, because I think that that is something that some parents and some people in the community don't realize that you guys do in those classrooms. You're not just teaching 
you know, arithmetic and, and, and history and whatever, it's social skills, it's adaption, it's a protocol, the independent thinking or whatever. And I yeah. think that, I mean, if we're going to dive right into it, I think some of the narrative out there is that that's being twisted, that some of those things are bad. Right. I would, I would agree with you. And um, so we have what's called a morning meeting and a lot of schools have gone to this. I don't know if your wife does or not, but we yeah. started this several years ago and I, I wish we'd have done it when I first started. Um, and so we do what's SEL, which is social emotional learning, and it all pertains to everything I just talked to. And um, there's five comp uh, state competencies that we, we go by. And it's some of, it is some of this self-regulate social awareness um, individual awareness. Um, and so every week we've got a different uh, SEL that we teach. And I'm not sure parents are aware that that goes on. Uh, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when my kids, when Tyler was in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they weren't doing morning meetings. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if there was a need for it. Uh, oh. Things have changed so much. Oh, uh, sure. In the pandemic, yes, but even in the last five to 10 years, things have changed. And so um, there's a lot of kids that don't have the support at home, mm -hmm. academically, emotionally, socially. Uh, so we do a lot more of that than people realize. I mean, so like when Chris and I were growing up, we didn't even have the things like character education that developed over the last 20 years, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Some of those things that I think are certainly crucial in, in the way that, you know, my daughter speaks about um, her classmates is that everyone's a friend. And like there was supposed to be a new student that was supposed to start the first day of the second semester and didn't start because they didn't get into town or whatever. And she was talking about how she like every day when, when I pick her up from school, we talk about you know, what made her happy, what made her sad, what made her scared, what made her, you know, frustrated. We, we talked through each one of those things. And one thing that right. made her sad was that she didn't get to meet her new friend today. Yeah. And that's the way she talks about that in, in first grade. But that has to go, that goes back to kind of that character education piece that I don't think, you know, Chris and I didn't have any, I mean, we were told to, you know, be nice to each other, but we didn't have those types of things in, in our curriculum that I think that you've seen and so then yeah i think what you've said developed within the last five years has been uh an extension of that right like it's really more about understanding that that it's not you're never going to be successful with a student academically if you can't if you can't get them to to, to connect with their peers and to express themselves uh, in an emotionally secure way or to uh be able to articulate what yes. their struggles are, right? And, yes, and and, and that comes back, that. and that comes back to um, the foundation for me is um, relationships. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't develop relationships with your kids and set that foundation of connecting with them, nothing to do with academics, then it's going to be really hard to get to them academically if you don't have that relationship. And it's and some kids are tough to connect with these days. Some are really tough to connect with. So, um, and that's just another thing that goes with it. Um, I think that we've seen a lot in my, in, in my experience, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma that's gone on. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it can be anything, social, emotional. And that's kind of why we've put in some of these uh, uh, things that we have that talk about this because they don't have anybody to talk to at home. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's something that I noticed last year uh, a lot was I would go upstairs and it began to, even though I was, I've been married to her for 10, 11 years, 12, yeah, something like that. It's 11. <laughs> you better get that right, Chris. I was going to say, speaking uh, of how like a, emotional intelligence might be a little bit more important <laughs> than academics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's one thing that struck me is, is that it never dawned on me that she at that point was doing three different jobs. She was being a teacher. Mm-hmm. She was being a social worker because mm-hmm. she works in a school that is a hundred percent, you know, free and reduced lunch, which yep. should tell you the income level of, of that mm-hmm. school and technical support, Yep. you know, all juggling that. And now that she's been back to school and the social aspect of it has been even more. I mean, yes, she, she goes to uh, a certain apartment building that has the majority of her of her kids. She's a she's English as a second language teacher, so yep. she deals a lot with the immigrant immigrant kids and, yeah. and so on, which are some of the poorest. Yep. Um, I mean, even last night she was talking about how uh, one of the little girls was was telling her that it's just been really hard because they don't have a, her and her sister don't have a bed to sleep on, yep. and they're sleeping on the floor every night. Um, so we've arranged to get them a, a few beds from some friends that have some extras or whatever, but, um, those are things that a lot of people don't realize and that they're doing those types of, of jobs as well. I mean, she yeah. goes and, and picks up bread and, and they have a food bank at that school. Those are yeah. all jobs. And those are all programs at that school that when you start talking about in this, in this state about cutting funding, and 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 things like that, especially for the, the the party that claims to own the 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 moral high ground, right? You're taking food right out of little kids' mouths. Absolutely, and people don't realize that. You know, Chris, when I with the the money that that was given, um, we have a food pantry. Um, you know, this caring closet that I'm trying to get started at our school. Um, if you can't sleep at night because you don't have a bed, if you don't um, have the clothing that you need, it's very tough to come to school the next day. And then for people to say, why aren't they proficient? Why aren't where they where they're supposed to be academically? Well, go sleep on a floor and then get up and wear the same clothes that you wore yesterday don't eat breakfast, don't eat anything. And then you go to your job and see how well you do that day. Right. And I, and I don't think, and, and, you know, I guess if you're not in it, you don't realize it. It's like you said, you would go up and see her doing those things. We do the same things. Um, The, the struggle I have is I'm not, I'm not a trained, you know, social worker. I'm not a trained mental health provider. Uh, you know, I have a lot of training in a lot of things. Those are not it. And we do not have enough of those people. You know, my, my mom uh, growing up uh, taught in a 100% at risk funded program. Mm-hmm. So she had to do home visits yeah. even. Yeah. Um, and so I watched how much of her own money and mm-hmm. uh, unaccounted for time and, uh, to to go to not only you know 
not only spending lesson planning, but to care about those students and to, to uh, plan for everything that beyond her curriculum. So she could plan a curriculum for tomorrow, but then that was another several hours of planning all the contingency plans she had to deal with. Yeah. Um, I, even down to uh, just the, the sheer emotional toll it, yeah. it takes on you for all of that. And so I know that with my mom, but, you know, in a sense, my mom signed up for that in that program. Yeah. But then when I see my, my kid in a fairly affluent school district, mm-hmm. um, but it's still a very diverse school district, and I see the notes of these teachers that are still begging for uh, hats and gloves and mittens and making sure that people are wearing, like kids are wearing appropriate winter clothes to school and that they still need help with this and this and this in the classroom, which should be some pretty, in my opinion, some fairly basic things, right? Yes. Um, That's where it hits home for me more. Not, not what my mom went through, which was, which was extreme, but expected. It's that even in your most affluent, just because it's affluent doesn't mean that there's not other areas. And I think sometimes it's easy for people in communities, um, where all they know is their friend having you know, what their, they need their kids and their friends kids and everyone's all taken care of yeah. right yeah. Yeah. uh th- they don't understand that uh it's an impediment to you being able to do your job when you have all this other bullshit to deal with yeah. and and you know it's funny because it it's not funny but it doesn't leave you Mm-hmm. the you leave at four o'clock or four thirty or five or however long you're there after school and it just doesn't leave you you know you're thinking about okay what do I got to do with this what do I have to do with this and like I said the academics I can do that I can do academics anytime give me a lesson give me a topic I'll I'll create a lesson for it but you are hit with uh, so many different social emotional things mm-hmm. that you just have to deal with because I'm not going to get trained in social work. I'm not going to be trained in mental health. Um, I, I'm just not. So then I do the best I can and it doesn't leave you. And there and, are students that never leave you. And 19 out of 20 kids or 20 out of 30 kids could be perfect. And you've got one kid that's a disruption and that causes yep. everything to go oh, chaotic. Yeah. And schools are, I mean, like they're notoriously really good at like finding those kids and and no, no, like it's not, it's, it always happens where you're always going to have something that you're going to have to deal with. And administrators don't recognize that it's a bigger deal than it is not because they don't care, but just because shoot, every teacher in their school is dealing with a kid like that. Everybody, everybody is. I have, um, I have nieces and nephews that go here in Ankeny. They're not, they're not just in my school. Yeah, uh, my daughter-in-law teaches in Des Moines. She teaches at Greenwood, um, in uh, you know over by Ro- uh, that feeds into Roosevelt, I guess. Um, and she teaches special ed there. It's it's all it's every school. Yeah, and the pandemic has just magnified that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got all of that, and now add in Chris mentioned technical support, and I don't want to miss over oh. that because I like I you know we had talked about your husband doing virtual PE. Um, what I have come to really appreciate about uh, my daughter's teachers last year and this year is no one knows how to operate the online learning platform the same way. No one's doing, no right. teacher is doing it the exact same th- way. No te- like 
if the teachers can't agree on how to do it, how do they expect parents with any wide array of technical ability to do that? And how do you get, I mean, yeah, fourth graders are probably more technically savvy than I am, but they're still not able to troubleshoot some of these problems that are going on. And so now these teachers are are left because there's what, like one tech guy for the entire school. You know, like there's not enough to go around for, for everything that's going on. And even that it, you know, I, when we went virtual, when we, when the school stopped in March of 20 and we did virtual, I was scared to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly um, good with just the basics and I have learned a lot and I can teach myself a lot. But I thought I can stand in front of 25 kids in the front of a classroom, no problem. But on a computer, mm-hmm. how do I manage 25 kids on a on a computer? I had no idea. Well, even Chris, like even even Caitlin coming fresh out of college should be the one most yes. like right. ready for this. And I'm sure she's still that would still scare her shitless. Like, she, like well, it would and, and she struggled even being on the other end of it when when Iowa State sent sent everybody home and they had to do virtual. Yeah. And and a lot of her classes, even last year, uh in 2021, were still virtual. And she said it was the hardest thing to do because I don't have the opportunity to walk up to my professor and get a clarification or ask this or ask that or lean next to the person in class next to me and say, Hey, you know, do you want to go over this together or whatever? She goes, it was, I was all on my own. She said, and I'm, you know, I'm paying the same <laughs> amount of money, you know, mm-hmm. and the stress level is even worse. Yep. Uh, she really had a tough time with that. And 20 year old kids, um, my youngest is um, in his final semester at Iowa and they, you know, he's the same way. He's not, uh, he's not an online learner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my one of my middle kid would be, but you're talking about 22 year old kids. I'm lucky enough to have um, a couple of younger team uh, teammates that I work with that were very, they went to you and I that were very good with technical skills. I was always trying to get a hold of them and say, how do I do this? You know, how do I record? How do I, um, it, you know, like I said, I've learned a lot, but that was another factor uh, that people don't understand. We were just school stopped. Well, and, and I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure and we had a week to get ready. Yeah, and I'm sure it probably was frustrating on your end to like you felt like you were bothering them too. I know, yeah. I know that what it's like. You know, I I started a new job in August. We're 100 remote. It's a hell of a lot easier when you're in an office and I can turn around and ask so and so, "Hey, I got this error message. I'm not quite sure what this is." Rather than now, I have to ping them, wait for them to get some time, hop on a call. I mean, it's so much more work and you know that they're working and they're trying to get their stuff done. So, I mean, that's even, that's even tougher. I think it is. It is. That was another added. And, and my husband who (laughs) is old school and he doesn't want to text. He doesn't want to be on a computer. He wants to phone. He wants to talk to you. He doesn't want an email. He doesn't want to learn any of that stuff. So he was really frustrated and he did a really good job. But like the 24 year olds that can help them don't even want to talk on the phone. They would refer. If you no, <laughs> exactly. They don't want. To. And I, yeah, exactly. So you've got an old school PE, mind you. And then, and so he did, he did amazing because it, that was tough, but uh, yeah, that, that was just another, another part of what we've had to learn. 
I do find that fascinating uh, that he was able to do that. Uh, the, the boys uh, that I have, uh, both are special needs. They had they were in special ed. And when they first sent them home, they had nothing for them. I mean, they had their Chromebooks, but they literally, it was log into to Google Classroom, talk to their teachers a little bit, and then their teacher would give them daily chores around the house that they would need to do to help learn chores or whatever, you know, and, and learn social skills. But that, right, that was right. it. I mean, they... They were really set back. That's tough. Yeah. You know, they were done. And, and I'm working. Uh, you know, my, my wife was working. So it's not like we had time to sit th- down with them and make them, which is no different than any other parent, I'm sure, you know. Uh, right. But uh, I mean, they were done within an hour and then they were in their rooms on their phones all day. Yeah. So, yeah. And when we, when we went virtual that, that spring, um, we had a, uh, you know, he has seven periods in a day or now they're blocks, but, um, you know, they would have to, the kids would have to follow their schedule. Mm-hmm. Like they would have to go to math at this time and PE at this time and science at this time. And they followed that entire schedule to finish yeah. the year. Which is, which is weird too, when you don't have like all the breath in between things, kids can very easily get disengaged. Like, yeah. right. I mean, yes. like it's, it's yes. one thing when you're like, okay, I just finished this and I have to go after this, but now it's like, I just finished this and I got 10 minutes to dick around in my room. And now all of a sudden yeah. I'm disengaged. Like, yeah. you, And now maybe I won't log into science. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I'll I do, I'm already I'm thinking about something else. Yeah. <laughs> or well, I'll turn I, my camera off. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you from a, from a corporate perspective, there's nothing more tiring than sitting at a desk on camera in meetings back to back to back i mean there's you know it, there's not you're not you're not engaging in anything else you're doing a lot of listening you're conversing but it's very hard to do which is why i left corporate america and, and got into brewing because i hated being in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting yeah. and feeling like i was getting nothing done over the day right and so i would not want to put an eight-year-old or a 14-year-old or any age through that yeah, it's very difficult, very difficult. So one thing I, I wanted to, to ask you about, and I understand if maybe this is an area where, you're, where you will tread lightly, but I think one thing that's frustrated me as a parent is seeing um, other parents or maybe even other people within the school district that don't actually have kids there that really want to express an opinion on how kids should be taught. Um, and like, don't, don't get me wrong. I have my opinions. I don't agree with everything that my kid's school does or the district does or whatever, but that comes from, from being, you know, uh, the brother of a teacher and the the son of two teachers and and like having that in there. Like, I don't, when I, when I get frustrated by things, I have, I have multiple people I go to, to say, am I crazy? This is bad or whatever. Right. Right. But it seems like whether it be anything from seeing a, a a dad of of my my kid's classmate get mad about masks while his, while his son is happily sitting there wearing a mask like this isn't a big deal like he, his kid cares about it less than his dad does right yeah. Yeah. so whether that's masks or whether that's you know certain subjects being taught or whatever it sure seems like there's PTAs haven't gotten any more funding, but there sure seem to be an awful lot of parents with opinions on teachers uh, lately. 
And I think um, the, the frustrating part that I have had is um, I think uh, everything went political. Everything went politicized. And I, I don't, that's not how I see it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see it from, I don't see it from the right or the left or whatever you want to be. I just see it from a human and from a teacher's um, standpoint. Um, and you are right. The kids did amazing last year. We had shields our kids sat behind. Mm-hmm. And I talked all the time about we're in something that we don't like. We all know that the mm-hmm. masks are, we talk a lot about something that you were expected to do. So if you're expected to come in and sit down and listen, we come in and we sit down and listen. If you're expected to come in and wear a mask, we're going to wear a mask. And that was just, that's just the way I approach my classroom. This is your expectations. And that's not how the world went. The world didn't go that way when all this happened. The world went, this is how I feel. And this is how it should be. And I'm right. And that's the way it should be. A right. lot of individual liberty at the expense of a collective good. Exactly. Exactly. Well, a lot of them seem to forget that in any job, any, if I go work for the company that I go work for, I have expectations that I have to meet. Right. Uh, I can't go to a corporate office and wear shorts and a tank top to work every day. There's certain expectations. I can't just decide that I want to go in and work half a day. I can't do any of those things. Right. And for these people that don't grasp that or or are starting to splinter off from that, I just don't understand that. It it doesn't jive. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And I, and I do think that's part of the reason why I, in the last few weeks, I feel like I've just ramped up more of my defense of when it comes to teachers and schools and school boards and administrators, because I think there seems to be an assault there that, yeah, I, I've said a few times school. Everybody knows that school board elections are probably the least participated election there is. Yeah. You, you might have one or two percent of the elector of the electoral uh, amount that goes and votes in that. But the amount of damage that can be done yeah. by not paying attention to those races, especially now, is dangerous. Yes. I, if you want to be involved in your kids education in your kids schools there's always been apple opportunity for you to do that yes it's mm-hmm. called parent teacher conferences mm-hmm. it's called PTO. the the thing that's the, the thing that is frustrating for me is um those parents that and i'm not saying any specific school the parents that uh aren't there to support the, the homework aren't there mm-hmm. to support with the social emotional, but yet have the opinion of, but this is not what you should be doing in that school. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I, it's... I can support you over here, but I don't, I'm not going to support you over here. It doesn't go that way. Right. It doesn't work like that. It, it, you know, if, and Chris, you're right. Um, my, I would talk to my kids about from 820 to 320, these are the expectations. When you leave my classroom, there might be different for you. But when I walk in this classroom, my principal has expectations of me. I need to be ready for you. I cannot wear what I, you know, we have a dress code. And Mm -hmm. so I tried to explain it that way. And I still talk about that. 
um, that we all have, no matter what you do, whether you're a mechanic, whether you work at Walmart, whether you work as a teacher or doctor, you just can't do what you want. Yeah. You have to do what's expected. Otherwise, work for yourself and <laughs> where you make your own rules. Well, yeah, it, that's kind of the way I feel about about education. So my my sister was a was a, a teacher for a long time, and when she had kids, then she homeschooled her kids. She actually got them in a homeschool co-op so that, you know, they were still socialized and working with other homeschoolers, but, but under her own kind of what she expected them to learn and to focus on. And I was like, great, do it. When I hear all these parents that are like, oh, that's an indoctrination center, but it absolutely has to stay open. I'm like, well, no, you can't have it. Like you're, you're angry oh, public schools are terrible, but I need them there for my kid. I'm like, well, no, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. There. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know, it's it's the same parents I see in my kids class that aren't engaged and why when they are distance learning, those kids are the ones that have the most computer problems or the most disengaged, but they're the, also the ones that get so angry about it all. I'm like, you, you can't do this right. both ways. If we're going to find value in sending our kids to school, you're not a, you're not a babysitter. No. Right. That's it. And I, I think that's that's the problem is too many parents have turned it into, mm-hmm. well, this is what I do with my kid during the day. Right. And then do with them what I want you to do with them. Yeah. There's a sense of entitlement, I think. Yes. In, right. in, in that, in that that's your job. You're going to do it. I, I'm a taxpayer. I have a right to say what mm-hmm. you're going to do. And you're going to do that. There's no compromise on that on their end. No, that's that's no. part of the problem. No, um, I mean, it, it's a pretty hot topic now as far as cameras in the classroom. Uh, I had an entire I had an entire argument. I, I do have a job. I actually do work all day long. <laughs> but I had an entire conversation with several people yesterday uh, about this. Um, because I think I, I've gone back and forth on the issue. I think the majority of the teachers probably wouldn't have a problem with a camera in their room because it might teach some parents what their kids are doing all day long and how they act. True. But, um, and I think it may protect the parent, the, the parents or the, the teachers as well, yeah. as far as what's happened in the classroom. No, I told you little Timmy has been doing this for months now. You never believed me. So this was a result of that action, things like that. I think what the problem is, is that, as I, as I put it yesterday to a guy, I said, <clears throat> so how would you like it if he, he said, well, I have cameras in my office and I have cameras in my workplace. Okay, but does your customer have the ability to go into your into your work and right. say, I want John fired because I don't think he did his job well enough? No, that business has their own rules and their own practices and their own expectations and those cameras will be used. And, and then if you don't meet their expectations, then there'll be consequences. Not Joe Schmo, who happens to be a customer. That's not how that works. Right, right. right. And are the same way. Parents are a byproduct and a customer of that system. Yep. To, yeah. have, to have some dude, some random guy that has never served in the classroom and doesn't have any idea what you guys do all day long and has not had the training to then go in there and say, well, I don't like the way Mrs. Kluber handled that history lesson, so she should be reprimanded. Right. Is outrageous. That's outrageous. And for them to to that's where I have a problem with it is when they're coming from this whole sinister agenda. 
indoctrination. Yeah. Listen, well, I, it, it, I, it's, I, it's, I it's terrible for time to have a planning period most of the day. You think she's sitting here planning to take over the world by yeah. trying to figure out how to manipulate seven year old kids? Yeah, I, I, I can tell you from from the restaurant industry, uh, the restaurant managers who are sitting watching security cameras and calling in or checking all the data and calling in and reprimanding bartenders on the spot for overpouring a beer or stuff like that. The morale is incredibly low and that's from the right. manager, right? Yeah. Like if your principal were over your shoulder all day long, you would hate it now to have random. Why would any teacher want to teach in that environment? Especially because there's going to be however many students you have. Yeah. There's at least that many opinions from parents, if not twice, because each parent doesn't agree. Yeah, and and I um, I see, or I have kind of an opinion on both sides of, okay, you want you want some cameras? Um, I'm not sure you would want some <laughs> after <laughs> you saw some of your children. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, and, and I have, I welcome anyone into my classroom, my superintendent, he will pop in and come in and talk with it. I'm not doing anything there that I'm not expected to do yeah. that. If my principal walked in, he would say, Shelly, what, what's going on here? I'm not doing anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they're, what they're wanting to see. Um, now I will tell you that, um, there are cameras outside our building. Um, but the only person that has access to that, if something goes on or if something's happening before school starts or after is the principal. Um, uh, there are cameras where, where my husband is at, um, and it has helped him and, uh, saved him a couple times because sure. he's been accused of something and it wasn't there. Just they've been. And, and so, uh, now granted he's in a gym that's huge right, and right. the kids are the cameras are you know you can't really see faces and the public isn't looking at it but um I, you know there there is I, I think some of the parents better just be like okay maybe we don't want that to happen um to see exactly what some of them do well and so. like i'm mean, not even think about it like with because I, I i think you know, some people, and I think maybe rightfully so, say, hey, these are public servants paid by taxpayer dollars. I should sure. get to see that, right? Like, sure. I certainly am pro uh, police body camera, right? Like, because yes. I, I want accountability. But sure. I shouldn't be watching that in real time. And I shouldn't, right. I, and I shouldn't after right. the end of every day, watch what they did. It should come up when, if there's an incident, yes. that we should be able to see that. So, like, I... I I guess I get that argument. It just seems to me that between uh, what it does for morale and also what I know about observation bias, both for, from teachers and yeah. from students, when you know you're being watched, you act differently. And that doesn't mean better or worse. It, yeah. change, it changes performance. It changes student performance. Yes. Right? I mean, one thing I've always hated about the corporate world is that we punish introverts and we, and we uh, praise extroverts. Yep. And that doesn't mean that extroverts are better performers or introverts are worse performers, but we think they are like even right. like non customer facing roles. We talk like I had a, I had a job that didn't face any customer and my boss did not like one of my employees because he was introverted and was like, 
uncomfortable to talk to him. Like, I don't give a shit. He's not, right. he's not, he just, he's not turning anyone off. He's a, he's a high performer. You just don't like him because right. he doesn't say hi to you in the morning. Right. I was just going to say, is he doing his job? Then- yeah. Right. But if, if I'm a kid and I'm already uncomfortable and now I know I'm being watched. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to perform yeah. even worse. Right. I mean, stage frights are real. We all every single one of us. And I was a theater major and I will tell you, I've experienced stage fright. We've all experienced stage fright. Now, imagine that that's a crippling anxiety that you have and you know your parents are watching at home. Yeah. And you can can you imagine I can just I can see my uh, my my kids would just focus on wherever that was. I can just see them all day long looking up there just or wherever that was put just like. I mean, it, yeah. we have enough that takes their focus off as it is. Yeah. Let alone that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, well, we won't show the students. I'm like, yeah, but you have to call on students in class. So everyone knows who's answering. Like there's there's yes. just not a way to edit that in real time. No. Uh, certainly not a cost efficient way for everyone who seems to be, to be wanting this. They right. sure also seem to be small government, small government spending. Don't seem to understand. Again, you teachers have to troubleshoot uh tablets that go home with with kids how the yeah. hell are you going to try to shoot all this technology in the classroom yeah. i have enough time just with my microphone <laughs> like when we went last year we you know we just tried to stay we the desks were six feet apart so the district bought all of us microphones to wear because i have we have pretty big classrooms and they wanted us to kind of stay up front so we have microphones well i can't i can't walk in a certain part of my classroom without it just going you know just screeching yeah yeah Yeah. and the kids are just like oh it and you know i'm just teaching teaching all of a sudden i walk down a you know a row and they're like mrs kluver and i'm like sorry you know i mean i have a hard enough time with that yeah you know trying to control that yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why when we built schools 20 and 50 and, and 100 years ago that we didn't think about uh, performance level acoustics. <laughs> <laughs> and if we had that kind of funding laying around, I could think of a lot better things to spend it on the cameras. Right. Yeah. Seriously. You know, I, I was just telling um, talking to my colleagues today and I said, in, in my opinion, um, I think that fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth is the toughest grades right now. Um, middle school is tough. And I think that our, our fourth graders now are what sixth grade used to be. Uh, physically, they've developed a lot more. Some, I mean, my, we have a couple of fourth graders as tall as me. I'm not, I'm five, six, but I mean, they're fourth graders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a tough age group right now. It's tough anyway. And then you throw all this lack of self-regulation, social awareness, all that in there. And if you were going to spend any money, and that's where I was going with this, if you were going to put any more money into schools, um, I think fifth through eighth for, for social workers, more counselors, more support, just somebody to talk to. Right. You have, I think you've got to plug that age group because that's, that's tough. I certainly, I certainly think um, one of the nicest things that's come out of the last 10 years is that people are more cognizant of mental health than I think yes. ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you that it's hard enough for me to find uh, a counselor within my, my healthcare network for me or my daughter. Um, I'm grateful that the school district has someone that my daughter can talk to. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly wasn't anything that I had. I mean, we had a counselor, but the counselor that that wasn't what their job was, right? No. I mean, I mean, traditionally we think of high school counselors as who helps you apply to college. Like that yeah, that's not that. that's not <laughs> anything near what they should be doing. Those are entirely different roles. That's not what they went to school to do, and that's not what what people need. Um, but yeah, that requires a lot more resources that a lot of people mm-hmm. that want to get to you know, read and write and arithmetic and that's all that matters. Like they're missing the plot yep. on, again, if your kid is not healthy nope. uh, or feels safe, yep, they're not going to learn. They're, nope. they're not going to learn. Kids do not learn when they don't feel safe right. or respected or yep. healthy. They, yep. Study Having after your study basic after needs study. Met. Yeah. Study after study Having after your study basic shows needs us. Met. Mm-hmm. You've got to have that first before you can learn. Yeah. So I, one, one question that I, that I always kind of have thought about for a long time. Uh, so my daughter lives in a different school district than I live in. And so I don't get to vote in school board elections or like my, my role is, is different. I know that teachers often live in a different school district and I'm, I'm sure that's kind of a, a double-edged sword for you, right? Especially as you raise kids too. So you're, yeah. you're, you're maybe living in one district and teaching in another or vice versa. Like it, it has to be a challenge for you guys. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. So when we lived in, in uh, Marshalltown for 21 years and our, our oldest two uh, graduated from Marshalltown high school, we're both from Ankeny. And just due to, to a few things that went on, um, we decided to move down here and our youngest went to Centennial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think you will, I think if I went through, there are a lot of people that don't live in the district that they teach in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, even my daughter-in-law, although it's a little bit different with Des Moines because they live in Waukee and she teaches in Des Moines. That's a little bit different, but um yeah, it is. It is different to 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 teach in a different district than you live in, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and like I said, we were there for twenty one years, um, but um, I, I I I don't know. I sometimes enjoy it because I come here and I'm I'm here. I'm not, especially now. There's a I level of detachment decom- that you have, maybe. Yeah, I can decompress a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I don't go to the stores and see my kids, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, but I did it for 21 years when my, yeah. when my oldest two, I mean, my, our youngest left uh, there when he was uh, after his freshman year, but yeah, you just kind of come here and it's just, you, you feel like you're, you're Shelly. Mm-hmm. Whereas there you're Mrs. Kluber. Mm-hmm. And sure. now I just need to be Shelly more than any time before. Um, so for me, um, I kind of like it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or probably uh, helps avoid those awkward times, like the time that my wife was at the grocery store buying beer after a hard Friday, and she turned around and her student and her parents were right behind her. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first. You know, I was just kind of in, just trying to shield all the alcohol from what I was buying from the parents, and I didn't have yeah. the hard time. It was because of their kid. Well, because you know the kids think we live there. <laughs> yeah, I right. think we live at the school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I mean, there, there also has to be times where, I mean, 
I have my own problems with with my kids' school board because the school board members do not seem to represent anything that that the teachers and administrators care about. Right. There has to be sometimes where you have to feel doubly frustrated because you don't even like you don't even get a vote in, in who those school board members are. Uh, no, so, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't now. Um, I, I think I, I just it's such a cluster right now. Yeah, that I just think that we're all going in so many different directions. Nobody can agree on anything. Nobody, you can't get a majority. I, I just think everything is, like I said, we all just kind of have our own opinion and, and this, and I'm right. And so, uh, you know, it's, um, I, I, I sometimes don't even want to be a part of that. Yeah. You no, know, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I just, I deal enough with and not just me, but all teachers deal enough with all those decision-making things that you do all day long and, and the things that you're trying to do that you feel is right and that you've taught or your, um, you know, your philosophies and, and then to try to battle with a school board or try to battle with something else. It's just not, I just don't have it in me. And so sometimes that's kind of nice for me right now. <laughs> Again, that, that, that sort of that separation that, yeah. That right no i i think that that's huge i there's certainly that balance between you want to be community connected right yeah because yeah. because you are going to be a part of that and you and you want to make sure and i think the school cares a lot about that i know my my mm-hmm. my kids school talks a lot about being a part of the community yes yes um, but i also know that my daughter's favorite uh specialist teacher the 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 music teacher lives like 45 minutes away and I right. do not blame him uh, by any means. And, and I, I can I'm sure he very much appreciates uh, his drive home and his ability yeah. to decompress and think about something different. And, and to her. He's he's her teacher, yeah. whether she he lives yeah. here or there five minutes away. And, and that's just and to the kids, um, what they think and how they feel. That's what I care about. Yeah, and they don't they don't even understand really, to be honest, how far away I do live or what I do. They don't to them. It's just they just know that when they show up at eight o'clock, Mrs. Kluver's there. Yeah, I mean, community, that's what's important. Community connected might mean something in a town where I grew up and where my graduating class of 69 students. But like where my daughter is, where there's, you know, 500 students per graduating True. class. You don't even see your own classmates outside of school. Right. 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 Like does it matter if your parents are connected? Yeah, not like you used to. Yeah, no, no right, it's exactly. definitely different for sure. It's definitely, yes, for sure. One of the comments that I had yesterday uh, in the conversation I have, which uh, the question I'll ask you will lead to a, to a nice question, but the comment was basically, you know, not all teachers are truly invested and how many of those teachers are in it just for a paycheck? Well, we can, you know, that we can laugh about that joke because that's clearly a joke. Right. But why don't you tell me what you love about teaching? What do you love about it? You you know, um, I love the impact that I can have on kids. Um, I think the best thing in the entire world is that when you have kids come back, when you have kids send you emails, when you have kids write you a letter and um, five years, six years, they've graduated and just let you know what kind of an impact they had that you had on them. 
Um, and at the time you don't realize you're doing that, but I think that um, just being there for them, um, you know, I, I could have uh, gotten a job here, but I felt like um, my heart was where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I could do more good there. Um, and I, I just think making an impact on, on kids' lives and making them better people. And like I said, academics, that'll come. That'll come. I just want to make them better people. It's uh, it, That's a great answer. My daughter, when she was uh, very little, when I first met my wife, I was, I was divorced. I had two girls who, uh, no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> you can go away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Caitlin. She, she, uh, when I met my wife, she was teaching at a school, which was actually right around the corner from my house. But at the time, my girls were not going to that school. And after we were dating for a while, she had suggested that maybe I start sending Caitlin to, to her school because uh, it was right around the corner. So I opened and rolled Caitlin into that school. Uh, for as long as I can remember, Caitlin has always been good with kids. She's always loved kids and she's always wanted to teach. So she said at one point, she said, wouldn't it be neat, dad, if I could go back and teach at my old elementary school and show those kids that I was where you were at one time. And that if I, and I, I was able to go to college and get a good job and so on and show those kids that it's possible for somebody from their own neighborhood and that, and that tiny little school to do something like that. And I just yep. thought that was yep. a, a profound reason why yep. to go into, go into a profession like that. And she, and she never said, I, uh, you know, I'm, I want them to be able to add or subtract or read. She said, I want them to show them what they can do and what they can make of themselves. And that is to, for me, the basis, the, the whole reason for teaching. Right. I mean, honestly, when you when you think just in general of the most successful people in life or the most successful people that you know, and and we'll ask you a question about success, I think, at the end of this this podcast. But um, it's not the the people who got the best grades or learned the the right. you know how to to get the most A's. It's the right. people that learned the best skills, exactly. Right, and that skills doesn't mean uh <clears throat> passing every test it means managing right. life yep and i and i think um you know i've really tried this year to instill in my kids my students that um the rewards awards um i'm trying to get them to understand the internal drive or the internal the intrinsic um success and how that feels good so now i'm trying to if somebody gets to a level they want to get on whatever they're working on I'll say doesn't that feel good inside you know we try to make that so that it's not well what do I get for that what do I I I um I'm I'm kind of wore out with that kind of mentality yeah of we've got to get kids back to be intrinsically driven and not extrinsically not just based yeah I need a reward I need a and you know I'm old school too when it comes to some of that that's just not how I worked you know, th- these are the expectations. Um, I don't reward you. I saw something the other day on you should reward kids for coming to school every day. In some cases, there is a battle for some of them to get there. Yeah. But I tell mine at the beginning of the year that I look at 25 faces and you're all my kids. I don't care your race, your color, what you're, you know, what you're, uh, who you live with, grandma, aunt and uncle, whatever. 
you, when you walk in my room, you're my students and the expectations are the same. Um, and, and we're trying to get them to understand that they want to feel good about themselves. Not that I got, you know, a sticker or something. So I'm working really hard this year on that. So, you know, we, we talked briefly at the top about, um, you know, you spending time in, in Texas and maybe the motivation for a lot of those students to be uh, a lot more sports oriented. (laughs) Right. Um, And so there is kind of this non-traditional academic piece that I do think has uh, a significant value in in kids development. Right. Um, And you kind of have a, a, a special insight on this uh, with your son as a division one, former division one athlete, right? That, yep. that there are other aspects to learning and development that I think the school system provides. Um, it, it is definitely a balance though, right? Yes. Yes, so, for sure. Um, yeah. So my oldest um, now understand that Todd, my husband, coached my boys growing up. He coached football and basketball. Um, there's uh, Tyler played at the University of Iowa as a long snapper. He's not um, your um, six foot two, six foot three great athlete coming out of high school. Um, but boy, did sports teach him a lot. Um, and I don't know. Uh, you know, he he's not the best athlete, but boy, he worked hard. And that taught him to, to work hard. And Chris or Tim, either one of you, I don't know if you guys knew of Chris Doyle at Iowa. Mm -hmm. Tyler absolutely just loves him. And obviously he's not there anymore. Um, He, Chris was old school. Um, And, and like, you know, there's opinions all over about, about what, what happened with that. But Tyler is an epitome of hard work. He's a type A personality. He's, fi- I mean, who's, who thought a pudgy 5'10 kid was going to go play Division One sports? Um, but growing up, that, that teaches you teamwork. It teaches you, um, you know, how to work together. Um, there's so much that goes, I mean, I played sports since I was five. I was out with the boys all playing, you know, I went to college and and played softball. So sports has just been a huge part of our life. Um, And it's just, and it doesn't have to be, it could be dance, could be cheerleading. It could be, uh, you know, anything that they choose, but that gives another aspect for kids to learn these things that they're lacking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, my, my nephews went to, to school at, at Centennial, my, my oldest nephew. Um, so I uh, did not. So the challenge was, is because he, he would take some classes at, at home with my sister and some classes at school, but he ran cross country and, and he lettered and he went to state. He was a state cross country and, and the high school was uh, all but excited to claim him as as a centennial student when he was running cross country, but not when it came time to graduate and allowing him to walk with his classmates. Hmm. Um, because, because he was homeschooled and only part partially homeschooled. He took classes at the high school, but because he didn't take I don't know if it was a requisite number or a, like whatever it was, 
they were all very happy to to say, hey, look at our our state cross country runner. But no, you don't get to walk across the stage when when you finish your four years. And so, wow. yeah, I, that's certainly a, a, a something that has rubbed me the wrong way for a long time Absolutely. because to me it's like that like you said like what schools have to offer like the reason we have athletic pro- programs at schools is because schools are filling a role that's greater than just teaching them to read right 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 yeah um yeah and and so if you're going to have all of those things i think you know those kids are commit- committed to that school too and so it was frustrating to me absolutely um yeah uh Sort of a I've tangent. never heard of such a thing, to be honest with you. Uh, it was it was it, only homeschooled, but not when they were partial like that. I hadn't heard that either. It was yeah, it was it, it was incredibly frustrating. My my sister and her husband handled it with great aplomb, and and my you know nephew, you know, water off a duck's back. Sure. sure. Um, but to me, that kind of highlighted highlighted where like sometimes communities or school districts or whatever can can run kind of counter to to um the mission because again the idea is we're creating these complete humans that what you know the idea is once they graduate then they we're unleashing them on the world right right you know despite th- or because of their parents involvement just like despite of whatever but that's you, you invest all this time in your students to unleash them right the next level right and i think that some districts this is my opinion i think some districts see things differently than others Mm -hmm. um and i think your more successful athletically may see that as at at a different level than maybe some of the schools that are not as successful Mm -hmm. um athletically um and that you know that's wrong and Mm -hmm. i I mean i'm just i'm kind of shocked about that tim that's just running through my head now that i can't even think that that i would be irate oh and i would want a reason and i I just don't that what does that what does that send what message does that send right i i yeah i i don't get it like even if he was 100 percent homeschooled then why did you take credit for all of his athletic success right and he and he wasn't 100 percent homeschooled which makes it even worse um, because I want this to be a complete thing. So yeah, that was, it's been a touchy thing, uh, for me. And like I said, my, my nephew is at Iowa state now, and that's long been forgotten for him. Mm-hmm. He does not care. But for me, it's still just a, yeah. a frustrating thing because, because I come from a family of educators and yes. I know that the teachers care about creating complete humans. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and I, um, I think that um, it's funny that you said that he's kind of let it go because it, kids, it seems to roll off their backs a lot easier than it does the adults when things like that happen. Um, and, you know, like I said, what message does that send? And I'm a huge sport, sports person, huge, mm-hmm. but that sports comes to an end for everybody at some point in time. And every, then you got to go be a person. You got to go be LeBron James, someday that's going to end. I mean, that's going to end for everybody at some point. And then you got to have something else in life. Tom Brady at 44, yeah. just retired. That's Done. still way too long, but that's still yeah. way young from a yeah. real life standpoint. Right, right, 
For and sure. now he has to figure so, out who he is after the fact. Which I think is is an important aspect of of what some of these football coaches are teaching uh, when those kids are in that program. We've talked a lot. Tim and I have had guests on and talked a lot about Matt Campbell and his yeah, philosophy yeah. and his program or so on. I would love to hear your perspective on on, on Kirk Ferentz because I, I think he's another man that that takes pride in raising young men into into upstanding good uh, good people uh, that try to be good husbands and good fathers yeah. and, and things like that. Uh, we don't get to hear much about that. So what, why don't you talk a little bit about what what Kirk maybe was was to Tyler and 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 from your perspective. Well, and the connection to, to Coach Ferentz goes way back because when when Todd uh, graduated from high, from Ankeny, it went, obviously there was only one school at that time. Mm-hmm. He went to Iowa and he was um, he played under Hayden Fry for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Ferentz was there. Coach McCarney was there. Bob Stoops was there, I believe. So all of those were there when Todd was there for two years. And then at that point, um, he was behind Bob Cratch, who was, uh, would go on to be an NFL lineman. And so Todd decided that, you know, obviously you look and see, I'm also six foot and I'm not going anywhere. And he <laughs> went, ended up at Iowa state. Um, and so we've known coach Ferentz for a long time. Uh, he is, um, he is what he, what you see on the camera. He is what people say he is and his true, you know, goal in life is to raise, good young men that are going to be better because he knows that football will end for the majority of them. Mm-hmm. When you look at who goes on to the NFL every year, that's not many in his, in his, with any colleges. And I, mean, I do feel I mean, like football's going to end for all of them. Everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like Tyler played, Tyler lived with Josie Jewell, lived with Ike, Ike Butker who are in, it will end. Ike got hurt. He might, who knows what happens. Yeah. Um, and, and Kirk doesn't forget a face. He doesn't forget a name. Um, he's very tied to um, giving money to the hospital. His wife, Mary, is phenomenal. Um, I feel like Coach Campbell is the same way. I feel like he is, uh, he looks at the kid and what they're going to be when they graduate or move on in life. Um, and then we look at the football players. Now, is football important in winning? Absolutely, because you're, you know, in, in Kirk's, situation i don't know if he's going to ever get fired but they fire people left and right you know you're not secure but um i wouldn't have wanted tyler to play for anybody else Mm. not at all he had the best five years of his life there um a lot of discipline he learned um he had to you know he was called a you know white pudgy little fat kid (laughs) and Chris is still Chris is still called that. Yeah. Um, well, we had you, know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's funny. I have a, a poster up in my room that says adversity breeds character. And uh, he, he learned a lot um, and it just made him better. He was going to battle and just become a better person. He was even if against all odds. And he did it. And he's and he turned did into a, he's turned into a nice little uh, side that, that uh, a nice little. I think he's a he's a fitness trainer and and his yep. podcast and and some of his merchandise and, and so on. He's done really well for himself. Yeah, his his um his passion is fitness. Uh, like he's going to do the CrossFit um, whatever in a few weeks. That I can't keep. 
I can't keep up with everything that he does, but that was really his passion. He does, he does a uh, personal train. I think he's got like 14 clients right now. And he's, he's got some from around the country that he trains um, that. And then the podcasting just kind of came from the, we call them the Benton street boys. Cause that's, they all lived on Benton street. And so it was Ike and Josie and Drake and all of them lived together. That just came out of a text message a few years ago when they graduated. <laughs> you know, what if we got on the on the radio or what if we put a pod together, a podcast together and talked about football? So uh, he's done well for himself. Yeah. So he's he's made. Uh, so that's his degree is in exercise science and he does podcasts. So it, you never well, know where you're going to end up, right? When he, when he said he was going to uh, get a degree in exercise science, you didn't you didn't roll your eyes because my dad did when I tried to to do uh, leisure studies. I tried to transfer to leisure studies. In my <laughs> but, well, no, no, his his degree has science in it. Yours just had uh, leisure in it. Leisure in it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Famous words. I'm not paying twenty five hundred dollars a semester for you to be leisure. You to can you do that for free at home. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Uh, he, um, you know, he started getting into CrossFit when he was about 16 and just kind of had an obsession with it. And Coach Doyle used to always make fun of him and go, yeah, Kluver, you're CrossFit, whatever. Uh, you know, because that kind of conflicts with the weight room. For, you know, they don't do the same thing. So that he always get got made fun of. But um, it has he's um, gotten his uh, nutrition certificate as well. He's big into health, so I'm not always happy when he comes here, you know, because he's <laughs> like, you shouldn't eat this. You got to eat this, take this, drink this, don't drink this. And, you know, so we're not always excited when he comes because then we, we hear all that. But, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, like you said that he's into podcast and fitness, which is very much like, like Chris and I, we're into podcast and fatness. So it's yeah. very much, very similar. Uh, but, on this podcast. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think uh, you will ever be uh, judged for what you eat around either. Chris. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, not so much with Tyler, but that's okay. No, that's He's fine. pretty good about uh, just letting us be, but we always get some kind of lesson when he comes over. Like I, I now just got some magnesium in the mail that I'm going to be taking because he said that's good for you. So do you, said, do, you okay. do you think this is, do you think this is punishment for, for him growing up as the child of two teachers that he's actually turning around and trying to teach you guys something? Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it probably is. So, but that's okay. I, I'm, we're very proud of him. We're, we're obviously proud of all of our kids. Um, sure. Um, but yeah, when we're, when I'm on a podcast right now and talking about sports, then he does come up. So yeah. Good. Well, no, you'll have to let him know that you're, that he's not the only podcaster in the family. I told him, and I think he was a little jealous. Like, why do you get to go on one? I'm the one that's supposed to be the podcaster. And now you're going on one. And I said, I sure am. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my, my dad, uh, uh, He's retired and he was on Twitter for the longest time and he had more followers than me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to say I was ever jealous, but I was jealous of him. And I can say that because I I'm fairly certain he doesn't know how to listen to this podcast, but he he could still own me on that game. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, you'll have to make sure. Yeah, we've Tyler and I have Twitter account. (laughs) 
Yeah. We, Tyler and I have gone back and forth, bantered back and forth when their flags came out. Hawks by a million flags. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have one. Like I never had one. And I would just go back and forth with him. He finally said, mom, you're going to get a flag. Stop it. <laughs> and I just was give, I just like to give him crap, you know. Right. Yeah, you don't so, really want it because then there goes the argument. That's no fun. Exactly. Yeah, so now it's sitting downstairs, and now you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how old or, or successful he ever gets. You're still his mom. He he, he needs to recognize that. Got that, that he's yeah. gonna be. Yeah, he's gonna be put in his place no matter what. Right. Right. Yeah. There's times <laughs> when I'll say, um, "You're you're not here without me." So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's sound like familiar conversations <laughs> i'm sure yeah i've heard that from my mother too yes <laughs> um well, Shelly, we've I, taken up a, a, quite a bit of your time chris is there anything else you kind of wanted to cover no i was just gonna say if you're anything like my wife we're probably well past your bedtime yeah i went, I, I was gonna um message you chris and be like now how long is this gonna take because i try to go to bed at nine yeah so that I can function the next day, but no, we're good. This has been fun. I've enjoyed I, it. I'll never forget the first time I was at uh, Stacy's house. We were dating and it was probably like eight 45 and she's like, um, so you need to go home. And I was like, well, <laughs> I was like why? She's like, I got to go to bed. Yeah. I was like, it's eight 45. She's like, yeah, I know. Listen, if you're going to be around me, you're just going to have to figure it out. That's my schedule. And that first week that school comes back, man, it's like brutal. It's brutal. Brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. So, yep. It is. Yesterday, I used to drive in and just take her coffee every time for for conferences to, to get her through for the rest of the night, but I didn't yesterday and I heard about it. So <laughs> well, once you start that though, Chris, you've got to keep that up. Well, I was trying to get her to like me at the beginning. Now, now we're married. Those days are over. Oh. <laughs> we just need our peace. So once, once again, side note to all of our listeners, this is yet again reasons why you should not listen to Chris for relationship advice. <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> no, I do not have anything else other than my appreciation and thank you for coming on. It's been fun. Yep. Uh, and I appreciate your perspective quite a bit. So I hope I didn't make anybody mad out there. I, that'd be fine. It wouldn't be the first time we made somebody mad on this podcast. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I know it's you, but still, um, no, I, I, I appreciate your your uh, honesty. Um, it's always good to kind of have a forthright conversation about this because we're living in tricky times. We are, we are, but we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, right, right. I think I think that's the thing that I haven't yet lost hope. Uh, you know, three years is a long time, but it's not, it's, it's a blip in yeah. everything else. Right. So we, will and I think the thing for teachers is even though it's hard and even though it's been long, those kids still come every day and we still have to send them on to the next grade and on to the next grade. So we still have to go in and, and try to get them to do this, even though we're in these tough times. And so one thing that I, I think the last thing that I would say is that I don't, I'm never going to give up on kids. I'm never, and I tell them at school, you're going to talk yourself till the 180th day of school. I'm not going to give up on trying to get you to do the things that I expect. So I, I think that is absolutely perfect words to end on. Um, 
Boy, I certainly appreciate that. And I would be honored if you were my daughter's teacher. So thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Listeners, once again, this has been Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Revelton Distillery. If you are available, uh, Chris, what what is the date and time exactly? It's on my calendar, but I don't have my calendar in front of me. I will February 19th from 1230 to two o'clock. We're going to do a live recording of old man strength in the Revelton distillery. So we invite everybody, Shelly and, and, and your husband, Todd are welcome to come down. We'll have some drinks up on the podcast. We'll be able to see how short Tim really is. Very, uh, very. We can get you a booster seat when we're down there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, and hop on the pod and, and, uh, Tell us what you think. Make fun of us. Uh, I may or may not have some old friends coming down that are willing to tell some stories. So uh, be a good time. Tim will even have some of our mutual friends. You know, Shelly, Tim and I have mutual friends that know us both, but yet Tim and I have never met. That I know. And that's crazy that you, I got on here and you said you guys have never met. That's crazy. Speaking of which, Tim, uh, shout out to Josh Toby. He uh, just got hired here in Norwalk as the athletics director. Here in oh, Norwalk. did he? I, yeah. I haven't even talked to him about that. Well, for so. good for him, Toby. Uh, I'll shoot you a text. Well, you'll get the text message before this comes out. Well, I don't know. Chris edits these fast and I'm slow at text right. messaging people. But <laughs> good for you, Josh. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, we, we started out the podcast making fun of people who think that we knew someone from Iowa State because there's 30,000 people. And it turns out Chris and I have like a billion people in common anyway so it's crazy yeah perfect well once again uh this has been old man strength please check out all of the great content on the tailgate society at the tailgatesociety.com please check out all of the podcasts in the tailgate society network and with that we will see you guys next time i don't want to get on the bandwagon i'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now I waited all my life to get this on my chest Green bloody murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in To that original sin